Hello everybody and welcome to the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast. This is regular host Aaron Percival and joining me is my usual partner in crime, Eric Adams. That's me. I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed for this particular episode. Because it's Alien Day. So that means we wanted to give you something a little bit different than just a couple of... No, I was going to say nerds then, but we settled on enthusiasts, haven't we, Eric? We did, yes. So uh, something a little bit more different than the usual enthusiasts chatting Alien and Predator in your ears. We've trapped somebody who worked on these films to come and actually chat to us about a time working on one of the films that we're normally nerding out about. So I'd just like to welcome Carrie Hen to the podcast. Welcome, Carrie. Hello, thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. And you know what, I'm, I must be so honest, I was so <laughs> surprised at how quick uh, this all came together. So I really appreciate that. Oh, no problem. It worked out well, because when you asked me, I had half term, so... I was going to ask, because I, I, I didn't know uh, I didn't know if um, they were sort of the same in the States, because over here, I think it's about half term now as well. I know my cousin's children are on half term right now, so we don't actually call it that for us. For my school district, because um, we have President's Day. Right. And they actually give us a whole week off. So we're very fortunate this year to have a week off at this time. So that's worked out quite nicely then. Yeah. So again, thank you for taking the time out of your uh, busy schedule to come and chat to us. But before we do start being enthusiasts um, about aliens, for our listeners who might not be aware, could you just tell us a little bit about where life took you after aliens? Um, well, shortly after Aliens finished filming, my dad, who was in the Air Force at the time, he was stationed at RF Lake and Heath, was actually moved back to uh, station back in America. So we came back to America and I contemplated going back into doing something with acting because I, I live in California now. But I chose just I wanted to be a normal child. Um, I'd lived in England since I was about two. My mom's from England. And even though I was in a military base, we were like, we didn't necessarily stay on the military base um, like some Americans do. So it was quite a culture shock coming back to the States and especially coming back to California. It's a little bit different than England. Um, and so I wanted to kind of get into um, you know, American life and make friends. And it was difficult at first uh, because I was obviously different because not only I'd been in a movie, but also um, I had a different accent than a lot of other people. And I said things differently. So I just couldn't kind of continued with that. And then I decided to go on and get my education and become a teacher myself. Which is something you'd always wanted to do, wasn't it? I remember reading that it was, you know, teaching was your your passion as a kid. Yeah, as a child, I always enjoyed sort of, you know, lining up my dolls, especially my Cabbage Patch Kid, and teaching to them. And <laughs> I really enjoyed that kind of stuff. <laughs> Bro. Well, let, let's, let's start talking. Oh. In case anybody somehow doesn't know, Carrie played Newt in the film. So, you know, we're going to be talking about a lot about Newt and a lot about Carrie's um, experience on that, just in case. I don't, I don't think there'll be many people listening who wouldn't know that, but you've uh. got to cover all bases. <laughs> so it's a pretty well-known story that you were offered the audition after Sarah Jackson discovered you at school and coming around taking photos, which you would not get away with nowadays. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you've ever actually talked about the audition process itself, and this is this is something I really love to hear about the whole um, you know the whole filming experience. So do you remember much about it? You know, did was there any specific scenes that you had to um, act out from the film? You know, for the most part, I really remember. I did a lot of the scenes. I do remember at first a lot of the auditions happened at my school, at my elementary school, in one of the rooms. Um, so we'd go there sort of after school 
and I do my whatever scene they had. Um, and I know a couple times, you know, my mom would take me and obviously my brother would have to come with and be stuck sitting out in the hallway. And so sometimes they'd invite him to come in and do the scene. And that's how he actually got the part of my brother in the movie was because he had done so many of the scenes with me. After a while, they did want at one point they called and said that there was about 10 girls that I went to school with and they wanted to have us all go to London for auditions and I guess probably maybe to get to know us a little bit and our personalities. I'm, I don't, I remember bits and pieces of that one. And so they actually hired a bus, a tour bus and they, all the families and the girls, they took us all to London and we met with James Cameron, all these different people. And auditioned and everything and then they actually they dropped us off at the studios and then they took all the families out to go do things in London and then they came back and obviously we went home shortly after that we got a phone call and said that it was between myself and a girl in the states it was just down to the two of us and so they were actually flying Gorney over on Concord which at the time was pretty impressive just that you know so you knew someone flying on Concord but also I was excited because just recently seen Ghostbusters so I remember going to that interview and just immediately she and I kind of hit it off and towards the end I asked for her autograph (laughs) because you know I didn't know if I'd ever see her again and to be honest with you I don't know if I completely understood the process of what was going on and we thought it was a part for like a small part in the movie we didn't realize it was as big a part as it was oh Um, yeah. So, I mean, we're kind of clueless in a lot of that stuff. So I guess everybody was kind of laughing because of how well she and I had kind of hit it off. I guess they pretty much knew that it was that I was going to get the part then. Anyways, and then shortly after they called and told us we had the part. So so that that was kind of like a, a chemistry test then? I'm sure it was. Yeah. Okay, cool. Were you aware, it, were, were your parents aware it was meant to be the sequel to Alien at that time? Because you said you only thought the part itself was small, or were they just told oh, it's a science fiction film in general? Um, we were told that it was the sequel to Alien. I don't think I've seen it. I know my dad had seen it, and we're not, like, I still don't like scary movies, which everybody finds hilarious, ironic, I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, I really don't like scary movies. And so my mom had never seen it, but Gail and heard they had insisted that I watch Alien before we filmed Aliens. So at least I had an idea of what to expect and what it was going to be like. But the movies, I mean, they're similar, but they're different in so many ways too. So which makes yeah. it hard to compare them really. Well, that, that leads us on to the next question quite nicely then, doesn't it, Eric? It <laughs> does, yeah. Basically, we have a tradition on the podcast where we like to ask our guests about the uh, the first time they saw any of the Alien films themselves. But of course, you're in a strange position as you weren't exactly the target demographic for an Alien film. <laughs> And um, you were actually in the sequel. Now, we weren't sure when or if you'd seen the original, but in doing our preparation for this, um, we saw that you'd mentioned, as you say, that um, James Cameron was actually very adamant that that you watch Alien prior to working on his interpretation sequel, and that you'd actually laughed throughout it. We were hoping you could tell us uh, a little about that first watch of it, at that age particularly, and... um, (laughs) If it helped with his intention of helping you get immersed in that world, considering your uh, your age at the time. You know, I don't think anything can really help completely get you assimilated to that world. And I'm not sure even after watching it, if I completely understood everything that I was doing. Um, I was probably about eight, maybe just turned nine when I first watched the movie, because I was eight when I tried out for it. I was nine when I filmed and then I was 10 when it came out. Yeah, I mean, I, we watched it and I thought it was funny. 
now I'd probably watch it and like scream. <laughs> but I didn't find Alien to be super scary. And I know when we were filming Aliens, James Cameron was always trying to scare me. And he would do various things. And I would always say, oh, that's just a rubber chicken or what, you know, big deal. This is just, you know, that's just so-and-so in an alien suit or various things. But when I did actually watch Aliens, it was at the premiere down in L.A. And James Cameron was sitting behind me. And I didn't realize that he was sitting there. You know, I just, I went in, everybody was probably looking at me trying to figure out who this kid was going in, you know. And I remember just sitting down and then watching it. And there's a scene in Aliens. Most of them I saw filmed, but there's this one scene I didn't see it filmed. And it was fairly close to the beginning when they're walking through. The Marines had just come into the Marine lab. And there's the big canisters that have the face huggers in. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's stasis tubes. Yeah, and one jumps forward. Yeah, a pull riser, yeah. <laughs> Looks like love at first sight to me. Yeah, and it jumps forward and everybody kind of – well, I jumped and I kind of <laughs> a little yell. And I, like I said, I didn't know James Cameron was sitting behind me and he tapped me on the shoulders, which then, of course, I screamed again. And he <laughs> you twice he was so excited because he got me twice most of the rest of it i've it's one of the few movies i can watch and not get scared because you knew how it was all made exactly well like my cousin a few years ago i went to a convention in london and her my cousin's twins at the time were maybe 13 14 and they wanted to watch aliens and they insisted on watching it with me and then they said you know can we watch every scary movie with you because i had to tell them what was going to happen before it happened so it like prepare for it <laughs> what was it about alien that made you laugh through it then was it was it just cheesy to you or i don't know i mean it was probably my you know eight-year-old humor you, know, you have a different sense of humor at that age yeah. than you do now you know i don't know i just thought it was funny like the alien popping out. I mean, now, like I said, now it would completely freak me out. Uh, I have no clue why I laughed. <laughs> like kids have that thing for like slime and gore and stuff. Anyway, oh, that, yeah. and when they're playing, yeah. Exactly. Well, like my nine-year-old son has a very different sense of humor than I do. You know, the things he finds funny are things that I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, definitely. So talking aliens then, um, you and Newt occupy, you know, half of the emotional core of that film. And so much of that rested on the relationship between Newt and Ripley, you and Sigourney. And you've spoken in the past about how you still maintain a really close relationship with Sigourney. But I was hoping you could just, you know, cast the mind back a bit and tell us about how that relationship developed while you were working on Aliens. I mean, did you two go and spend time together off the set of the film? You know, were you doing stuff outside? You know, a lot of people think that we did. But honestly, you know, like I think the Marines did a lot of stuff and a lot of them lived together and they did a lot of things together. but. I didn't really because, you know, I was so much younger than the rest of them. Um, it's not like we went and hung out. Like now we go to a convention and we all hang out, which is nice because I'm an adult now. It's different. Whereas I think Sigourney and I, like our, our bonding started when we first met at that one audition. You know, I remember she was, she really liked my Velcro shoes and she kept taking them on and off. It was one, the scene that we did together was like the one in the med lab. And so she kept taking them on and off. And I think that, you know, our, our relationship kind of started then and she and I, you know, like you know, people kept dying and kept leaving. And she and I were one of the few that kind of stayed. And we had so many scenes together. I mean, our dressing rooms were right next to each other. Kind of funny. They accidentally gave yeah. us, her, we got there before she did. And they actually gave us her dressing room <laughs> on an accident. I mean, we were quickly moved to our correct dressing room, but we were right next to each other. And, you know, she and I were always there, you know, makeup had to be done. You know, like my makeup took a lot longer than the guy's makeup and things like that. So I think we, yes, we did 
see each other a lot, but we didn't hang out off the set. I think it just kind of all happened. Scorny's a very down-to-earth person and just, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is or how it happened, but, you know, we've always just... Just naturally effortless. Yeah, and when I see her, I can't even describe, like, I was at a... They were doing a photo shoot for Entertainment Weekly. And towards the end, I was sitting talking to all the behind the scenes people. And they were talking and they, you know, someone said, oh, I'd love to be able to tweet and say, oh, my gosh, you can't believe what I'm sitting here doing. But she said, obviously, I can't tell anyone what I'm doing. And I said, oh, I'd like to tweet the same thing. I said, it's kind of it for me. I'm more like them because I'm a teacher. I'm not. Hollywood all the time. And I said, it's exciting for me to be sitting here in the same room as these people. And the lady's like, no, I meant sitting here talking to Carrie Ham like it's no big deal. <laughs> I laughed. I was like, oh, no one will know who I am, you know? Yeah. And then they said, as people, as I think like Bill Paxton and James Cameron and people like that started leaving, um, they were saying to me, like, what was the best moment that they had seen? And Sigourney and I hadn't seen each other in several years before that photo shoot. I came out of one side of one room and she came into the other thing at the same time. And they said that the best moment of that whole day had been when she and I first saw each other. <laughs> and it was just, you know, I saw her and it was like all the years kind of pass. You know, that friend that you never, that you might not talk to for. Yeah. Yeah. You just kind of pick. That's kind of how. It is with her. Anyway. Because, because you, you had the chemistry and especially working with a young child, it's so important to have that. And that absolutely comes out on the screen. You and Sigourney have that chemistry. Like you're strangers to one another, much like you were making the film, I suppose. But that bond comes across because you had that chemistry. It's very much evident. Yeah. Well, and I think it, you can see the progression throughout, you know, as we are strangers, but we very much had similar experiences. We both lost our families and things like that. You're talking about um, makeup, but of course, Newt famously carries around a doll. She named Casey. It served a particularly haunting purpose by being the only thing left behind after her abduction, of course, just staring lifelessly upward through the water. But unlike most dolls depicted in films with children, of course, it consisted only of a head. (laughs) Was there... A reason behind the scenes for Newt, who's basically the survivor of this incredibly traumatic thing that's gone on with death, to basically be carrying around a severed head for emotional support? Or was it more of a technical issue with the props department? Well, let me just tell you, I couldn't wait when I finally got rid of that head because you know what a pain it was carrying that thing? It was not easy. It was kind of awkward to carry around the neck. Yeah, um, it looks like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so if you watch the scene with my family, when my dad comes back with the alien on his face, my brother and I, when we're having the argument, I'm hitting him with a doll. And that's actually Casey. Oh, okay. So then what it is, like, you know, a child has their favorite doll or whatever. And a parent, you know, throughout everything that happened to me on the colony, the head was all that was left of Casey. Right. So it was very much a deliberate decision. And see, I was re-watching just the scenes <laughs> you were in today as a refresher. And I that just occurred even after so many viewings of that film. And even then, until you mentioned it, I hadn't twigged that she's got the doll as a whole piece in the tractor when well, they were <laughs> And they look very different too. You know, they don't look, they look very different because she had like nice blonde hair in the tractor where yeah, it was yeah. dirty and gross and everything. Well, and I loved the doll because I was paid to hit my brother. <laughs> was, like sitting off set and couldn't say or do anything about it. <laughs> Talking again about the actual, the colony and um, Newt's life before, I suppose, the disaster hit. One of the most unsettling moments in 
the film is when um, the Marines, they're searching for the colonists and they come across one who's still alive, but she's cocooned and she's not begging them for a rescue, but for the salvation of death. Now, some of us have observed how this must have meant that woman was unfortunate enough to have survived like new right up until the Marines arrival and then must have got abducted around that time. Now, did James Cameron ever speak to you behind the scenes about how Newt and this colonist must have been surviving together? So you could have worked that into a particular reaction when they found her when she was watching the cameras? Or were you basically told that Newt had just been entirely just on her own, no one to depend upon? Um, I was told that I was by myself completely. And to be honest with you, I never thought of that aspect of it until you just said it right now. Yeah, it is one of those questions that does keep on arising. Like, well, because also she looked a lot more unhealthy. So some of us have wondered, well, was she fine giving any food she found to Newt? Because it would have been interesting, this unseen aspect of the film. But um, yeah, if, if he told you you're on your own, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> every May 7th. Every May 7th. There's a picture of, <laughs> yeah. of of Newt on set getting a birthday cake from Michael Bean and Bill Paxton and Lance Hendrickson. And every May 7th, somebody has to be that guy or that girl that says, that's not Carrie Hen, that's Louise Head, who was one of your stunt doubles. Usually it's me that says that. <laughs> I believe Kieran Shaw was also a stunt double for you, so I was also curious as to what your relationships was like with Louise or Kieran, if you even interacted with them at all. I did have some brief interactions with them, but to be honest with you, you Usually when they were on set, I was in my dressing room doing my schoolwork. Right, right. So I didn't, I mean, I saw them, but it was kind of in in passing more than anything else. I probably saw my stunt double a little bit more than I saw Louise, only because, again, she was on set when I was off set and we just would kind of pass each other or whatever. Okay. Did you do many stunts yourself? I mean, I know you did the, the slide, the water slide, but I can't think of many others that I know you did. I did like the one where they pulled me across the floor at oh, the end. Um, yeah, with the airlock. Yeah. yeah. So I did that one. And then also before I fall and go down the chute, I'm like climbing up. Uh, the ladders. Yeah. And I did a lot of that. They did the actual, he did the actual like landing on the wheel. Whereas I, I landed on like a foam mattress type thing. That would have been Kieran. Sorry. Yeah. That he, yeah, he did that. But I did a lot of them myself. There weren't really that many big stunts, honestly. No, no. I mean, you know, I wasn't, it, I guess it wasn't quite like today, you know, where they have some crazy stunts and that. I didn't have tons of stunts to I'm do. I'm guessing it had to be one of the stunt people when you were surrounded by all the flames in the Queen's Chamber, maybe. Actually, no, that was me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so, I mean, it's a pretty natural even reaction of Sigourney because in it, she's like pushing me behind her. And yeah. She, before we were filming, she was very concerned and worried and kept saying, you know, make sure you're behind me. You can't get in front of me. You know, this, that. It, it was a proper fame thrower. It was pretty legit. It was a kind of a crazy um, shell-shocked moment probably for me too. So I can, now as an adult and as a mom myself, I can see her concern. At the time I thought, what the heck? I'm not going to do anything. Like you're telling me to stay behind you. I'm going to stay behind you. <laughs> Also, it was just lighting up like latex and rubber and the, the entire set looked incredibly flammable, to put it mildly. It was very flammable and it was very hot. Yes. While Newt sometimes gets um, 
superficially dismissed as you know the little kid it's her cynicism and um <laughs> ripley like willingness to call grown-ups on their bullshit basically when she feels patronized which to me it really cements her as one of the more believable portrayals of children on film she's cynical about motives but she needs honesty to be one of the key ways for ripley to get through to her um having made the transition to teaching young children yourself did you ever find that to look back on that insider's perspective of a sort of a traumatized child, so to speak, um, useful in your approach, especially with those who might have been um, undergoing bullying or stress through, say, uh, parental divorce or something at home? I don't know. I mean, you would think so, but I think probably not. I mean, I just, um, you know, that kind of stuff is just more human compassion than anything else. Yeah. No, because definitely as a child, I had no clue really the impact that my character even really had on the movie or anything like that you know I've kind of far removed from that I didn't even realize how big Aliens was until about oh, I'm trying to think about 11 years ago maybe I went to my very first convention oh. in London I had no concept of anything I mean I remember going they had um, I was pregnant with my daughter and I went to a thing in LA and I remember Galen Hurd was there and Jeanette Goldstein was there. And Jeanette said to me something about conventions. And I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. She's like, oh, you should do them. They'd be great. And I just kind of dismissed it and didn't really think too much about it. And then about 12 months later, I was found and invited to one in London. And I just couldn't, I was blown away by the whole thing. I mean, I still am when I go to conventions. Like I, I really didn't have a clue. And to me, it's very strange, kind of surreal feeling, kind of like my hidden life. You know, I, I don't I don't even know how to describe it. So I think it probably didn't really have as much of an impact on, I don't know, I don't know. So speaking of conventions then, you know, you've probably only really been doing them relatively frequently over the last four or five years or so, at least from my perspective anyway, of watching all the appearances show up and everything. I actually had the pleasure of meeting you. Um, In at the convention, right? Yes, the one with Sigourney. Yeah, yes. Um, you signed the my poster for the website that's got everybody's... That poster must have cost me so much money on signatures. <laughs> Oddly <laughs> enough, I remember you. So, <laughs> oh, I've got a picture. I've got a picture of you signing that one as well. I, I would have liked to have then asked you. Uh, you know, would you like to come and chat to us and be nerds? But I get so starstruck in person. I'm fine online, but in person, <laughs> I get so starstruck. Well, you should. <laughs> what was I going? Oh, yeah. So, uh, what's been some of like some of your more memorable? you know, conventions, encounters at conventions. I mean, I imagine the social side of it with meeting all your fellow cast must be a big part of it as well. But, you know, in, ter in terms of like meeting fans and stuff like that. I mean, it, it is amazing to see all of everybody from Aliens. And it's nice for me to sort of have gotten to know them as an adult um, versus as a child. They always, you know, joke around and they're always saying, oh, you know, you feel like we all get together and time hasn't changed and this, that and the other. And then Carrie walks in the room and we realize how much time has passed. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they always say that uh, it, it, it's like a family reunion for all of us. But to be honest with you, when I go to those things, it's all about the fans. And I try to make it as much. I try not to be. Sometimes you're at busier ones and you feel like you're a conveyor belt. Yeah, it looks so stressful. I mean, when I'm like watching people just move through sign, move through sign, it, I'm just like, God, you know, that must be so hard on them as well, on the guests. Well, and my thing is, 
I work hard for my money and I know every single person who comes through, they've made the conscious effort to spend their money on an autograph for me. So I try to make it as nice as I possibly can. And I know sometimes people get upset with me because I chat to everybody, but I try not to make it like a conveyor belt because I try to, it's an experience and it's an experience for me. And it's very humbling for me as well to talk to everybody and to hear their stories and how aliens has made such a difference in their life for various reasons, or even talk to people who were in the military and, you know, they watched this before being deployed, you know, as a military brat, that means a lot to me to have some sort of something in that. I mean, it's, I try to make it all about the fans, but I will tell you, it is absolutely exhausting. It is really tiring. It sounds silly, but it really is. Well, no, I bet I bet your hands must get blinking cramped after all that. Well, I'm well, I'm probably more used to writing. Yeah, I suppose with the marking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, one well, just throughout the day and everything than most people, but yeah, it's you have to smile. You know, you often hear the same story about their favorite part in the movie and you hear the same thing over and over again. And you don't want someone you don't want to say to someone, oh, I heard that mm. 10 times in a row. You have to be polite about it. You know? Yeah, that's something I'm super conscious of doing, you know, like when we're doing interviews like this. You know, I don't want to ask you something you've been asked a thousand times. Mm. Yeah, I, I can understand that. Well, I mean, and in interviews, a lot of times you get kind of variations of the same question and i try to pull in like a few different things if i can think of something occasionally so yeah back when you were actually doing the film itself you mentioned now obviously we had to look around there on city and other interviews see what we can do differently but um one of the things we um i came across while reading up on other interviews was um you've mentioned your most fearful moment wasn't anything to do with you know acid bleeding monsters or anything it's actually having to sit down for lunch while in character as newt now, was this something James Cameron decreed as a, a necessity or was it more like a suggestion from a friend, this can help you get into the role or what? Well, no, just sometimes not everybody ate in the cafeteria at the studios, but we went and ate at the cafeteria in the studios and you couldn't change out of your costume to go eat lunch. Oh, I see. Yeah. And then change back into it. But it, I was nine, so you're a little bit more aware of other people around you. And I just remember my first day, I was so worried about going. And I remember talking about it on set. And, you know, I talked about it to my mom and my mom said, oh, don't worry about it. And I talked about it to my tutor and she'd said the same thing. I mean, I remember talking about it. So Sigourney to everybody and everybody's like, Carrie, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Trust me, you're not going to be the most outlandish person there. And I just couldn't understand how with my crazy hair and all that kind of stuff, how I couldn't be the most outlandish person. But they were filming Little Shop of Horrors at the same time. Oh, wow. At Pinewood. Yeah. So they were all in the cafeteria yeah, in their full, uniform, full, full costume and everything, too. So my tutor had actually bought me these, uh, I don't know, I don't, you don't really see them anymore, but you know those big old sunglasses? They yeah. were like massive. My tutor had bought me those, and she's like, well, just wear these and no one will even notice you. So I remember wearing those the first day. I mean, I quickly got over that, but yeah. <laughs> I bet you got used to it, though, when everybody's literally like that, though, aren't they? Yeah, mm. you don't even notice it after a while. But you can imagine it, you know, nine years old, you're like... Very self-conscious. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, speaking of things kids do, you did a hell of a lot of screaming in this film. There's a transition in 
the special edition that I've always loved where it's your scream going into a howl of wind, you know, after mm. you know, your dad comes back. I was, like Eric says, you know, watching previous convention interviews and stuff like that. And I saw in one, you mentioned you ended up with laryngitis following an impromptu screen that James Cameron had requested, but you never actually mentioned which scene that was for. Um, it wasn't actually for any particular scene. So, you know, throughout the years, I've heard various things, you know, as teenage girls have said some unkind things to me. And one thing they used to always say to me was, you only got the part because you can scream. That's all you did. And I never screamed in any of my auditions. And then one day, James Cameron said to me, you know, what? after you deliver that line, I want you to scream. So I said, okay. So he said, we'll see how it sounds. And then we'll go from there. So I, I remember delivering my line screaming and no one said cut. So I just kind of kept screaming like I didn't know what and finally I stopped I'm like can I stop and I looked and everyone was just looking at me and I said why is everyone looking at me like nobody told me to stop yeah James Cameron just said that was really good we're going to use that again and so then I did continue to use the screaming and I think the laryngitis it wasn't any particular scene I know what scene we were filming at the time but I don't think it was necessarily that scene I think it was just a lot of just accumulation yeah, it was the scene that we were filming was towards the end after um, Sigourney saves me and we're climbing up into the spaceship mm-hmm. um, after the Queen Alien has cut, like we're getting away from the Queen Alien. Okay. We're climbing up into it. And that was, it was right around in that time that we were filming that when I got laryngitis, but I don't think it was that particular. I think it was just used my vo- vocal cords a lot, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. And so so often people talk about the best time they had on on a film, which makes sense, obviously. But I want to know something about some of your worst memories from Aliens. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just assume it was that hive sequence where you were stuck in that little nook and cranny in the uh, in the hive wall, but maybe not. Would assume correctly. There was many mm. things about scene that I hated. It was literally a hole I had to crawl through to get into the cocoon. Through the back. Yeah, well, it was kind of through the side. It was made of fiberglass and it could only be broken once. All right. So we had to do several, you know, the scene over and over and over and over again. And, you know, everything had to be depicted exactly. You know, you're going to pull this part, you know, Sigourney, you're going to pull this part first. And then this, everything had to be done and practiced multiple times without it. But James Cameron had said to me that, you know, this is, this cannot, you cannot break this. You cannot do anything. We can't make it exactly the same again. So I couldn't actually rest my hands on the fiberglass. So I was sitting like on a stool, a wooden stool, but that was covered in fiberglass, but I couldn't rest them on there because it could possibly be too much weight and break it. Yeah. Cause you had your hands at an awkward angle, didn't you? Yeah. So, you know, sitting like that, for ages and then they pull me out and then you know I'd be able to walk around a little bit and then they put me back in and then walk around a little bit and then so and it took several days to actually do that scene because there were so many different aspects and different angles that they got it from Uh and so we were actually on set we were at the Acton power station when we were filming that so I wasn't we weren't at Pinewood so I didn't have my I just had a trailer and I didn't have, you know, like a nice bath or shower or anything like that. Like I did in my dressing room back at Pinewood because I could wash and clean up before I went back to the hotel. So they offered to um, provide us with a hotel closer to Acton to the power station. And my mom and I, you know, we didn't, we never wanted to make a fuss. And that's probably the the English side of us. (laughs) Like, Oh no, 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 no. We'll just go back to the hotel. So the wardrobe people were lovely and they said, you can take the, the costume home, just make sure you bring it back, you know? Mm. So we would go back to the, our hotel and we were staying closer to Pinewood and everybody that worked at the hotel knew 
what was going on, but this was around Christmas time. And so I went back to the hotel in full costume and I had slime and everything because the slime is what took so long to get off. You know, so I had the slime and everything. My hair is all filthy. My face is filthy. And I had my winter coat over it with the hood up and they were having like a Christmas ball (laughs) in our hotel. You must've got some dodgy looks. Well, it wasn't too bad. I was able to kind of, you know, scamper in really quickly because I knew where, at least I knew where everything was. So I was able to rush in and get to the elevator. And my mom, we were waiting for the elevator and these four people came, these two couples came and they were in tuxedos and like formal dresses and everything. (laughs) They were like looking at me and they were looking at my mom. And then we got into the elevator and, you know, I just kind of went straight to the back corner because I wanted to be inconspicuous anyways. And then they got in and they like avoided me and then went to the (laughs) opposite. (laughs) They were at the front corner. It was far away as they could. Anyways, so, I mean, there was, like, a lot around that whole thing. And then, like, Sigourney cut her hands on the fiberglass. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a really tough scene on so many levels. But that was probably the most draining oh. scene out of all of them. So your expressions as new and that where you kind of look really browned off they're they're completely real that wasn't acting that (laughs) they were yeah well and it's funny because you know as a kid there's little things that you think that like yeah really gonna get in trouble and there was a teeny tiny i mean probably like a needle sized piece of fiberglass sticking off right where my hand was and i accidentally bumped it once and i not i mean I'm sure nobody even noticed it, but I was terrified. Yeah. yeah Someone would notice that I had messed that teeny tiny bit up and I was going to be in trouble. And but There's a quote from you doing that scene that I think is just hilarious. And it was um, something like you're telling Jim that it should be illegal for him to do that to little kids. <laughs> I, can't imagine. I, I can't believe I said that. Yeah. Um, I don't perfect, that. He did bring it up at, we were at um, San Diego Comic-Con at the panel and he brought that up there. And I was absolutely mortified that I said that to him. One of those uh, stuff that kids say moments. Yeah. And I just kept, oh my goodness. And my mom was in the audience. And she's like, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> well, as I, um, as you said earlier, a self-declared military brat, we were interested. How did your parents feel about you appearing in a a film with such a heavy military component because it was in many ways a you know a futuristic war movie. You know, I, again, it goes back to we didn't really completely understand everything that we were. I was signing up for at the time. It was kind of one of those things that it fell into our laps. It happened. You know, my parents asked, "Do you want to do this? If you want to, great. If you don't, that's great too. It's completely up to you." As a mom, obviously, I look at it now. My kids haven't seen it. They just saw a little bit of that uh, San Diego Comic Con convention. And they were just like, mom, all the bad language in that. I can't believe it. You know, And, you know, all the guns and this, that and the other. I think it was a different time then, too, than it is now. You know, you hear and I know my kids hear worse on the playground. Um, yeah. You know, the kids say things and all that kind of stuff. I mean, at the time, like the guns didn't bother me because I was at a base that, you know, I would see that kind of stuff. And I don't think it necessarily concerned my parents because they knew that I had respect for guns. I had, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I didn't, I wasn't going to go and pick them up. I knew that that wasn't something I was supposed to do. And I knew like, you know, saying the, the bad language and things like that wasn't something that I was going to do, but I don't remember there ever being like a discussion about it or anything like that. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe behind the scenes there was. Were, were you conscious of them being fake guns? I was. Some of them, like the ones um, with the, that flamethrower at the end where, that we were talking about uh-huh. earlier, 
there were some like Sigourney, she had to make sure she got everything right because there were some fake bullets and there were some real ones in there for various things. And so I was well, I, I guess I never treated it like it was a fake, even though I knew they were, I always treated them like they were real and just stayed away from them. Yeah. Well, mm. th- th- that's what they tell you to. Yeah. Yeah. The last alien film that came out, Alien Covenant, everyone made a big deal out of the fact that most of the principal cast had body doubles that were then massacred in various ways. Now, while it wasn't until Alien 3 that your dummy, even though I don't think this one was based on you, had that treatment, and I still cannot watch those scenes. They are horrific. I turn away every single time. That's <laughs> the only scene in any of the Alien films that I have to turn away from nowadays. Well, the autopsy. Yeah, the autopsy and the stuff like that. I hate them. Yeah. But you, you had a, a dummy made for Aliens. Yes. Did that creep you out as much as it would creep me out? Um, I was never really around when it was being used. It was really only used, Sigourney had a bad back. And so between carrying the guns and carrying a nine-year-old child, it was a concern that it would be too much for her back. So they actually, they decided to create this dummy and see how it was. Now for me, I laugh because I can see when it's the dummy and when it's not, when I watch it now, I'm like, oh, it's so obvious. I'm probably to me because I know it's not me, mm. but that was really the only time that it was used during it. It was more creepy. Like I had to have the face done and things like that. The full casting. Yeah. Well, I think actually, if I remember correctly, I think Louise actually did part of the casting, but I had to do the face. Right. Yeah. I think she did the legs, didn't she? I think she did, if I remember correctly. I don't remember doing them. I vividly remember the face. I bet. That must have been so claustrophobic. Yeah, it was pretty scary. But Stan Winston was there with his guys, and they were they were amazing during the whole thing and just you know talking to me about it and what exactly they were doing, the process and everything. So that was nice. Yeah, what were your memories of Stan Winston, who unfortunately passed away a few years ago now? Yeah, I was really sad when I heard that. You know, as a, as a kid, it was always cool to be the youngest one on the set. But as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that it's probably, it's not nice because I'll be the one left, you know, but they, he was amazing. He was so nice. So down to earth. Um, I mean, all of his guys were fantastic. He was just really, really, really nice guy. Just, I really enjoyed working with him and I feel very honored to have had that opportunity. Mm. Did you have much interaction with him personally outside of the um, the body casting? Um, well, he did a lot of things. Oh, he did second unit, didn't he? Yeah, he did a lot of things on the set. So he was there a lot. And it was nice because like in the med lab, when like the aliens were kind of coming at you everywhere, the face huggers, and they showed me how everything worked. He would always make sure that I knew how everything was going to work so that I wasn't surprised by it or I wasn't scared by it or anything like that. Everyone was so... I think very conscious of it. And I probably didn't realize then as much as I do now growing up, like thinking back to it. And even at the San Diego Comic Con convention, Gail Ann Heard made a comment and she said, you know, we were always so worried that we'd traumatize you for life. And um, I said, oh no, that didn't happen. So you're in luck. <laughs> <laughs> Though the special edition um, restored a lot of most of the footage, there's still a little bit of you that I'm aware of where Newt's trying to run away from Hicks um, in the operation center and you bite his hand again. <laughs> That wasn't included in any of the edits, probably for good purposes, actually, because he makes a rabies comment about you, so that would have been bad for his character. (laughs) But I was just wondering if you recalled any additional stuff that you shot that wasn't seen in either the theatrical release or the special edition? That was the only scene that I could think of that I had never actually seen in any of the other releases, but I think everything else was in 
either theatrical or the special edition. Fair enough, then. Yeah, it's quite lean. There's very little, very little deleted scenes that were left on the side that at least I, I've seen. Yeah. Well, and there was a there was a huge debate. Well, because two of the biggest scenes that they deleted were the ones with my family and then Sigourney yeah. hearing about her family. And both of them were very personal to us because the scenes with my family included my own real brother. Yeah. So obviously I wanted that. And the scenes where she sees the picture of her daughter is actually a picture of her mother. Yeah. Mm. That also reinforced the bond that would come with you, your two characters later on. Exactly. So personal on a personal level, but also for our characters, it was a very big, it was, it was a very big deal when it was, when they were deleted and they were deleted purely for time frame. Whereas now our movies are how long and you know, yeah. They don't even think about it, but at the time, they they it couldn't be above a certain amount of time. Yeah, it was all about getting multiple showings in a day in the cinemas. All about the money. And <laughs> you've spoken of having written a, a journal and made a, a scrapbook during your time on set. Might this ever see the light of day and get published somehow, or is it considered too personal? Because I'm sure, if nothing else, we'd love to see some pictures you took at the time. <laughs> um. Gosh, well, it was part of my schooling at the time is I would write a journal about different things that would happen. I do wish I had written more journal entries than I did. I don't know how many people would be that intrigued by what I have to say. I did at one point think about writing a book more for my my children. Like my grandmother was born in rural Ireland and she wrote a story all about her life for her grandchildren. And so I've often thought about writing it like for my children or my grandchildren. Someone told me I should write it because not very oftentimes you hear about like a child's perspective about being yeah. or anything like that. I don't know. I've thought about it. I just don't know how many people would be very intrigued by it besides my family. <laughs> I think a lot of people would be very interested, but particularly because, as you say, you had that different perspective. You would have interpreted things that adults wouldn't. And of course, you can now look back at it in adult years and say, well, I should have looked at it in this way, but because I had the child's perspective, I looked at it. So I, I do think a lot of people, as I said, especially if you did any pictures yourself or your family did any pictures, um, you would not believe how ravenous the fandom can be with <laughs> anything. Like you can have a stick of bubble gum, Sigourney Weaver touched, and you could probably put it on eBay and it will sell for a million dollars or something. <laughs> believe me, there will be interest for it. That's funny. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe one day. Well, um, speaking about um, Sigourney Weaver herself, we understand she made a tradition of handing out flowers to each actor for their what she t- called her their death day, whenever they filmed their own character's demise. Now, obviously, little Rebecca Jordan, she was rescued from that fate, but she did hand you an, an engraved picture frame after production had ended. Do you still have it? And what else did you take from the set as a souvenir? Yeah, I do still have it. She gave it to me. Actually, it's on my mantelpiece with some other family pictures. And it just says, you know, to Carrie, love Sigourney. Yeah, the days that everybody died were actually kind of big for the rest of us that were behind. We Sigourney and I used to joke that we were the orphans that nobody wanted. Because it was kind of like people were being adopted or, you know what I mean? Like leaving and then all of us behind. I mean, it was obviously good for us that we didn't die as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, she gave that to me on the last day of filming it's still pretty important to me it has a picture of the two of us in one of our dressing rooms so we were sort of in character not I think she might have been in her costume but not me I asked that was my problem is I asked if I could take things Um, (laughs) yeah you don't ask you just take that's what I found out later on you don't (laughs) ask so I didn't take things I really wanted oddly enough as much as she annoyed me I wanted Casey but (laughs) I didn't 
I didn't get to keep her because I was told she might be needed for more like scenes. And that I guess they did actually use her to film the water scene later. But I do have, I mean, I have random things like the second grade citizenship award that they found in Newt's Nest. The dress that I wore in that, I actually have that dress. But how many people would know that it was that dress unless I said it? You know, I mean, to be honest with you. That's still an important piece of like cinema history because that film is so iconic for, so on, on so many levels. Yeah, I guess. But I don't know how many people would actually... Instantly recognise it. No, you, yeah. you'd have to t- yeah. tell them. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have random things, though. Like, I have a bunch of... Um, well, I have my original script that they gave me that I had actually signed at the time. And then I randomly... when we just remodeled our office and I found a letter that came with my final script. So I ended up framing my final script and my old script in the letter. And then I have a bunch of the call sheets. Um, so I have random things like that, but not anything. There's no egg sat in a corner anywhere. <laughs> because again, I was the polite child who oh. asked instead of just taking <laughs> What What was your last day of filming? What was... Oh, goodness. I don't remember what my last day was. I know we had a cake. We ended up having my grandmother in Chicago had actually died. So we ended up having to leave a few days early the set. But I was all finished with my filming. But then I went back. Well, I went to school, but then I would have to take days off. And I went back for um, voiceovers and things like that. So it was in February timeframe that we finished. But given that you decided to pursue a career in teaching, I can't imagine you were too bothered from a work point of view when they decided to kill off Newt for Alien 3. But how did you feel about the way they handled her death in the film? It was... I don't know. It was kind of mixed feelings because all through Aliens, it had been talked about like, oh, if there's a sequel, it will include the family unit of Hicks, Ripley and Newt. So I knew well beforehand because Sigourney actually. So when they cut the scene with my brother in it, Sigourney called to let us know because she wanted Chris to know from her that that was what was happening. So when they came out and agreed on that that was the script for Alien 3, she actually called to let me know what was going on so that we had a head heads up kind of, you know, to be nice and let us know. But it was still, I mean, she sent me this really cool coat and it said Carrie Alien 3 on it. She made sure I was included in the premiere of Alien 3. So I got to go to the premiere when I was 10, but really had no meaning to me. You know, I mean, I, I met some really cool people there, but it really didn't have much of a meaning to me. Whereas I was in high school by this stage when Alien 3 came out. So I mean, I don't know. I think I was like maybe a junior. I was like maybe 16, 15, 16. So for me, I got to go to another premiere of a movie where I was older and could kind of, I knew who the stars were, whereas I didn't know who they were really before. So it was, it was kind of a bummer that it was cut out, but it was still a really cool experience to be able to go and be a part of that as a little bit older. And Sigourney made sure I was sitting next to her during the Well, it was kind of weird because I got out of the limo and I was walking the red carpet and people were like, you know, someone was going ahead of me telling all the press, oh, this is Carrie Han. And I thought, why are you telling people this? Nobody's going to know who I was. And people were actually taking my picture and they were asking for autographs and everything. So that was kind of just weird. And then when we got in there, they ushered me in and took me to a seat and they said, this is Carrie's seat. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. And they said, well, no, Sigourney wants you sitting next to her. So she actually covered my eyes for the actual autopsy scene. And I will be 
completely honest, I've never actually watched the autopsy scene. You're very lucky. <laughs> that was, in a weird way, that was the last time Ripley and Newt were on a red carpet together in a kind of weird way, even for a film where Newt had her demise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, while several of the cast attended the opening of the attraction in London known as Alien War, which um, I went to. Lucky bastard. Aaron didn't get to go to it. He was a little whippersnapper at the time. But... Yeah, I'm a little younger. <laughs> yeah. Now, you didn't get to experience the the um, the grand opening, but you did, we understand, go to see it as, a, I suppose, a, a paying member of the public later on. Could you tell us about your impressions of that and how did they react when they found out they had a genuine survivor of Hadley's hope in the group? Uh, well, so I wasn't able to go. I'd actually just been in England about three weeks before the grand opening of Alien War visiting my grandparents, but school had started, so I wasn't able to go back for it. But it they sent me a message or a letter and said, you know, if you're ever around, please stop by. So I don't know, maybe a year or so later. I happened to be in England visiting my grandparents again. And my cousin, Joanna, my brother and I decided to go to London. And so we said, oh, let's go check it out. So we went to go check it out. Of course, you know, the pictures are horrible. Um, my hair was a complete mess. So I borrowed my brother's baseball hat and everything. I mean, it was, it's kind of embarrassing to look at now. But so we went and we just said, we kind of explained, I said, is whoever is in charge, are they around? Um, and they didn't, obviously, they were kind of dubious of me. And then I kind of explained who I was. And then suddenly, like, everyone's like moving around. And I, again, I really didn't have a concept of who my character was or anything like that at this stage still. Um, and you know, I was in high school. So they kind of pulled us off to the side and they said, do you want to go through it? And I said, yeah, I want to see what it's all about. So they took, they said, okay, but we're like all the aliens are coming out. No one's on break. This is going to be like a full on alien war for you. So we said, okay, you know, bring it on. No problem. I was terrified. You mean, I caught myself saying like lines like up there, up there, you know, it's just up there. Um, you know, all these different lines through My cousin and I were like holding on to each other the whole time. Aliens were popping out from all these crazy places. And then at the end, and we were with just like a regular, like a couple families, I think that went in there. So they had no clue anything. And then, then at the end, they explained to the families who I was and everything, which was kind of weird. They took me through it and we got to tour it. They closed it down. And we got to see everything because it was the actual sets from Aliens, and which was a really, it was really cool to see it. And it was neat. They actually had my dummy head. Wow. was kind of creepy and cool at the same time. Um, sorry, I thought I had my, I don't know what just, sorry, I thought I had my notifications on. <laughs> it was, it was kind of creepy to see your heads. They had it in an alien, in an egg. Yeah, I kind of remember that vaguely, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of, it was weird. and then. You know, we did pictures and all that kind of stuff. And then the guy who had actually created it had invited us to go to lunch the next day. So we went to lunch at um, Planet Hollywood. It was like right around. Right. Yeah. 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 And he had requested that I sit. There was an area that had all aliens memorabilia. And so he requested that particular table that was right there. And so we were sitting there and all these people kept coming over and taking pictures. You know, like people walk around, take pictures of, of different memorabilia at places yeah. like that. And this lady was really rude to me. And she's like, you need to move right now. And I said, what? And she goes, move your head. I don't want your head in my pictures. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm like, okay. So I'm like trying to duck down and she, you're not ducked down enough, duck down more. And she was getting really rude to me. So finally the guy's like, do you know who this is? Like that picture might be a little bit more interesting if you keep her in it, which was kind of funny anyways. But alien war was absolutely amazing. I really wish it was still there. Yeah, you're not the only one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, on, I've spoken about it before, but um, I don't know if it was the same. I'm guessing you had exactly the same experience as me, but we went into a part where we had to all sit down. I think in an APC or drop yes. ship. Yeah, and, and that like- part just before the alien comes out because it's it goes strobe lighting, and when the strobe yes. lights hit, and the oh. alien, I actually punched the guy in the costume. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> it was just, I'm sure his head wasn't in the, you know, because the, the head is in the neck. But I just hit this, like, just impulse, because you have that psychological reaction. So well, I was it, lifting my feet up because I thought it was going to be, you know, like some of those things where they have, like... The false claws. Like, underneath. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was, like, lifting up my feet, and I was screaming. Oh, my gosh, that was really scary. And then I was terrified when they took the person. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, it wasn't one of us, was it? Who did they take? <laughs> See, in mine, that person was just smiling. So we, I turned to my friend. I was thinking, was that a plant? Or did they were they just laughing because they got people grabbing them in weird places or what? But, and I didn't even yeah. notice that they were like anything like that. I was just terrified they had taken someone. Yeah, because you never know. Are they going to take you and just yes. you know, guess? But is it going to happen? <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Well, at the risk of taking a bit of a downer question then. <laughs> so like its predecessor... Aliens left a huge legacy on the cinematic landscape and the people involved in making it. But for you, that legacy wasn't always such a positive experience when you were younger. Now, you touched on this briefly, but I remember reading that you got bullied when you were younger for for your role in Aliens. Is that true? Yeah. Well, so when I moved back to the States, I was in fifth grade, which is, I think, year six in England. And so I was, what, 10 years old. And I started my school and Aliens had just come out that summer. So people didn't know me as me. They knew me and thought of me as Newt in Aliens. And it was kind of a crazy, it was a pretty crazy week, uh, summer for us as far as We did a lot of flying here and there for press things and that. But my mom and dad were very much, I was, you know, I mean, I still had to do the dishes every day and all that kind of stuff. So when I went to school, I just thought it would be like my old school that I had gone to since kindergarten. And my very first day of school, I remember just trying to make new friends. And I was sitting talking to a girl on a bench and the whole school surrounded me and started asking me questions. And that was kind of weird. And then, you know, after that, there was like a group of girls and they weren't necessarily very nice to me and they would make fun of me because I had an accent. So there are words that I said Ah. that did not sound American at all. I mean, I still, to this day, I can never remember which is the English version of words and which is the American. I'm like vitamins, vitamins, which one's American. I mean, silly things like that, you know? So I was always very conscious of what I said and I would try to say it as American as I could. But also on top of having that, I was also very different from the other girls because I had been in a movie. And fifth grade is kind of when, I mean, let's be honest, girls get really mean. Mm -hmm. We can be our own worst enemies, I think sometimes. And that was the age I was when I moved here. So by sixth grade or year seven, everyone was kind of used to me and it wasn't as big a deal. But then year eight and nine was actually our seventh and eighth grade is at a junior high. So, you know, everybody was used to me at my school. And then the junior high is like six or seven different schools coming together. So for the first year, my seventh grade year, it kind of happened the same. And then eighth grade, it was the same because it's more kids. They just keep coming in. And so I was 
I was, and I'm kind of, a lot of people don't believe this when they meet me, but I'm kind of shy, like doing interviews and getting on stage and that is not my uh, comfort zone. It's a huge step for me to do something like that. And so I just became even shyer and I didn't really talk or say much. It got to the point by the time I hit high school, I didn't even want to talk about aliens because sometimes you never knew people made up lies. I mean, you look on the internet and I see things that people have written. I'm like, I don't even know who you are. And you're trying to say you're my best friend. Like Mm. clearly you're not, you know, but people would be so mean and hateful and just say unkind things. And all at that age I wanted to do was kind of be like everybody else. Just live a normal school life. Yeah, I didn't want any of that other stuff. I'm I'm Carrie. I'm not Newt. And so that was, it was hard and it was tough. I wish I had realized then. What I realize now is just that so much of it came from jealousy. But at the time, you don't realize that and you it's hard to understand that. Well, it's a tough time anyway, isn't it? I mean, that, that age. It's like such an awkward age anyways, and then throw that on top of it, which probably kind of helped push me towards more be going into teaching than anything else. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I went to university and I never told any of my friends that, you know, none of nobody knew anything about aliens and like the internet wasn't like it is now. So it's not like you could, you know, email was just, I had just gotten an email through my university and that was like, Ooh, big deal. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like America online just coming out type stuff. So it really wasn't like what it is now. And I remember entertainment weekly was doing an inter like a, where are they now type interview? And I did one. I did it with them, never said anything to anybody because none of them knew anything about it. I did it after school one day. And I remember a friend of mine came to school and she walked into class and she put Entertainment Weekly magazine down and she said, what is this? I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know. You know, and I opened it up. I go, oh yeah, Entertainment Weekly. I did an interview with them. And she's like, I've known you for three years and you've never told me this. Like (laughs) I open up my magazine and there you are, you know? Obviously, I've, you know, kind of come to terms with everything. And, you know, once you realize the motive well, behind so much in life is jealousy, you can kind of just move past it and whatever. And I don't know, it is what it is. I think maybe it made me more, maybe that had more of an impact on me as a teacher than my actual character. Because like in my class, I do not tolerate bullying. And I am like, I'm pretty strict when it comes, especially that kind of stuff. So I don't know. Does... I'm going to assume not now. Sorry, Eric, I'm totally jacking your question. No, no. (laughs) Does aliens crop up in your day-to-day life anymore, or is it all just sort of, you know, old hat now for the people that are closest to you? Well, the people who are closest to me, it is old hat. I mean, it's it's nice because now I'm married and I have children. Well, you, your husband's a little bit of a celebrity in his own right, isn't he? Okay, are you talking about, they have something about like a, a rock climber? Is that, is that not right? Yeah, that's, okay. That's not my husband. <laughs> Although I do tease him and say that all the time. But no, that's not actually my husband. I have no clue who that is. They just happen Fair to have enough. the same name. <laughs> but being able to go to conventions and being a part of various things, they get to see a part of my life that not very many people can understand, which is really nice. You know, it doesn't necessarily crop up every day. I do randomly will get, I've lived in the town I lived in since I'm, since aliens came out. So a lot of people know me. It's not a really a big deal, but I do have, you know, like children or grandchildren of people that like maybe my parents knew when I was growing up or I went to school maybe with their aunt or, you know, some sort of family member, but sometimes I'll have random kids come in and they'll quietly come up to me and say, Hey, I have a really big favor to ask. 
kind of like, okay, thinking what could they possibly need me to do? And it, it'll be something like my dad has been a fan of aliens ever since, you know, he, it came out. But since you guys went to school together, he was always embarrassed to ask you for his autograph, for your <laughs> autograph. but his birthday is coming up or Christmas is coming up or fall, you know, whatever. Would you mind signing his DVD for him? Or, you know, they'll ask me random things like that, but really it doesn't impact my daily life, which yeah. is what I like. You know, I can just be yeah, you like you've compartmentalized it through the years. Yeah, which is kind of weird. I mean, but you know, I mean, I can see yeah. how in that realm, like your head does get kind of big sometimes when you're at some of these conventions. And yeah, that that's the key to not let that get to you. As long as you stay grounded, you exactly you fine. Yeah, that's a, a big part of what affects a lot of child stars' lives. And um, had things gone differently for you, I mean, if you if you had chosen acting, you would have had to have got used to what you already ultimately did go through but but dialed up to 11 i mean i don't think it was quite as bad then as it is the scrutiny is now maybe it was i just didn't realize it i mean my parents are pretty down to earth i don't think they would have let that happen you know i mean in my house i was still carrie you know i mean i it, it was no big deal for any of us so yeah Back in 2016, a large portion of the fandom were very excited to hear there was a possibility of the return of Ripley, Hicks and Rebecca Jordan in Neil Bomkamp's Alien 5. Now, we know you previously spoke about your willingness to return for some sort of cameo, and we saw very interestingly some concept art that was done for the project of Newt, which looked very much like you are now. That about four years before that picture came out, I almost had that exact same hairstyle and everything. It was very trippy to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet. Like, yeah. Now, we know he spoke to Michael Bean and Sigourney, but did Neil ever get in touch with you at all, even if just for maybe wanting some photographic references or for somehow being involved? No, I was not. I, I was as surprised about a lot of the stuff that came out as the fans as well. You know, interestingly enough, occasionally, I will admit, my husband is much funnier than I am. So occasionally he'll tweet. He'll say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to tweet or whatever. And he'll, and I'll, oh, okay, whatever. Um, so he'll tweet a couple things for me sometimes. And the day that that picture came out, my husband had tweeted something because I think it was right around, was it, it was around on Alien, Alien Day? Day? It was on Alien Day. Well, he had tweeted something. I can't remember what it was. And then it actually, like, I was getting weird notification, tons of notifications about stuff because at the time that he had tweeted that, something was tweeted by Neil Bloomkamp. And so a lot of people thought that there was a connection oh, to what I was talking about. Stuff. Yes. Yes. And it was like, I'm like, dude, you got to <laughs> fix this. You got to fix this. You rarely tweet for me, but you did. And now you did this. You got to fix it. Um, so he <laughs> picture came out and it was eerily looks like me about four years beforehand. Yeah. Cause you, we do notice at that, at that time that you were doing hashtag new lives and it was, we were thinking, is this building up to something? Are you aware? <laughs> and what it was, was someone had said to us, you have to find a hashtag and just use that hashtag, mm. you know, a lot or whatever. And so that was what he, he's like, oh, we'll just do that. That's a great one because you're still alive, you know? And then all that stuff started coming out. And then I'm like, oh no, people are going to think that there's more to this and I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
So my husband was in trouble for that one. <laughs> we know you didn't pursue acting, but we assume that you'd be interested in reprising the, the role if it, if Newt was ever a, a major character in a potential sequel somehow, or even a video game that asks you to maybe do some voice acting for it. Yeah, I would be interested in doing stuff like that. I know a few years ago before the whole Alien 5 thing and all that kind of stuff, Rico, who played Frost in Aliens, actually had approached me that there was a... Alien identity. Yes. They were wondering if I would be interested in just... It would just a small part. And I actually was going to play Newt's mother in the movie. Someone else was going to play like a grown-up Newt. And then they were going to do flashback scenes with the mom and the daughter. And my actual daughter was going to play me. Yeah, because you said oh, she wow. looks exactly like you at that age. She Well, oddly enough, so like you were saying about did I have stuff, I don't have a lot of stuff from the set. But like when we moved from our old house to our current house, I had found in a box somewhere, which people would probably be amazed that it was just shoved in a box, the dress that I wore to the premiere of Aliens. And then, you know, I washed it or whatever and put it in a cupboard somewhere. And um, which again, probably people are like, oh my God, I can't believe it. But my daughter randomly found it. She's 12 now. Well, she's almost 12. Um, A couple years ago, she found it and she came downstairs. She's like, look at this funny dress I just found, mom. And she was wearing the dress that I had worn to the premiere. And I was just like, oh my gosh, she looks just like me. And so I took a picture of her and I put it next to a picture I found online of me in the dress. And it was like, she's like my clone. (laughs) The weirdest deja vu ever. It was a really, it was really, really weird. It was so weird. I think I, you know, I'd said to Sigourney because I'm like, oh my, cause she's always saying how much my daughter looks like me. And then, you know, a lot of the cast have met my daughter or have seen pictures of her and everything. And they all just said, it's like you walking into the <laughs> room, you know, yeah. similar personalities. So. so new has you know, a bit of a legacy itself. You know, it's it's not just aliens. There's a new legacy. You know, not long after uh, the film came out, Dark Horse Comics did um, a few series with an adult new as the lead alongside Hicks, although they were both eventually renamed after Alien 3 came out. But the original editions were recently released. So, you know, you've got this series of Hicks and Newt going off on their own adventures. They've both shown up again in a new comic book adaption of um, an alternate Alien 3 script, actually, where they were both alive and Sigourney was the one that was in stasis. And then Christopher Golden did a did a book that revisited Newt's family and Hadley's hope. And then that was also adapted into an audio drama where the young Newt was portrayed by a, a young actress called Marie Doherty. How where are you of Newt's, you know, extracurricular adventures after your portrayal in Aliens? Um, it's okay to I, say I, no, I'm not. <laughs> I really didn't know a lot about it. Recently, someone had brought to my attention about comic books, but I haven't seen them or read them or anything like that. My husband read them and then told me a little bit about it. But I I don't know. It's just it's it's a very weird feeling to think that something that you had a small part in has become, you know what I mean? Like that it becomes kind of bigger than what Mm. you ever would have imagined. It's a very weird feeling. I don't know. I'm very self-conscious of myself, so I don't necessarily always like watching or looking at that. You know what I mean? Like, because to me, it's like, I don't know. Will I be overcritical of everything? Well, leading on from that, of course, NECA released a special edition action figure of you as Newt and Sigourney as Ripley as a, 30th anniversary figure and Super 7 are working on a sort of a retro styled version of you too. 
Do you? I mean, you say it's it's strange. Like I, I know an actress, Juliet Landau, who's you know she's the daughter of uh, Martin Landau and Barbara Bain, who was in Space 1999, and she was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And when her action figure came out, she said, "It's really weird because I'm I must be one of the only." F- families to have had like an entire family action figure series over the years what is the feeling knowing that there's not just a version of you but a version of a a much younger version of you that's going to have thousands possibly millions of you know collectors having these replicas of this likeness of you it is really weird (laughs) it is very strange and i know when the, the ones from NECA came out, they sent me some. And so I put, set some aside for obviously my children and my niece, um, my brother's daughter. And then um, some of my family in England, I had my cousins and that I'd asked them, they wanted one. And so I said to my parents, do you want one? My mom's like, no, I'm sorry. I don't want one because I don't want to have <laughs> really creepy looking. And, you know, I mean like my kids, so there's one, there's a figure that NECA did of just me. And then there's one they did of the two of us. So that was kind of because they had decided to do the single one as San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. And then there was like a lot of backlash, I think, about that. And so they decided to do that one. I mean, mine are in a closet. <laughs> I, I signed them for my kids and I put them in my closet with a couple other things that I have set aside for them. And then several, maybe a year later, I got finally got the one that had Sigourney holding me. And I had set some aside for my kids and my niece again. And accidentally I said it on my stairs and my son was quite a bit younger at the time. And he opened up, he actually opened up the package. You know, I'd signed it and put it on the stairs and said, okay, I'll just put these away. But I didn't, I guess, relay that to my kids. And so my son was playing with it and my daughter freaked out. She's like, no, that could be worth something. (laughs) Uh, So she's got a red screwed on then. Yeah. yeah, my husband has made sure that they know don't mess with anything of moms as aliens like you leave that alone. Anyway, so he then, of course, was very upset. But I said, Oh, don't worry, we have an extra one. So we have this weird newt character that plays with Star Wars characters. And all- <laughs> it's kind of a trip when I walk in and he's playing with it. I mean, it's kind of cool that newt's like playing with, you know, Han Solo and all that kind of stuff. But it's kind of it's really, really, it's, it's a very it must be weird- surreal. Yeah, it's a very weird feeling. Okay. I'm not like it or not, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, well, that's actually everything from Eric and I. Do you have time for just a couple more from um, some of our community members? Sure. The Sailing Bunny would like to know what it was like working alongside Michael Bean and Bill, because I don't think you really get to talk about your interactions with those guys as much. She's quite curious about those. Um, it was fun. It was nice. I probably spent more time with Bill Paxton. He was kind of like a big brother on the set, or sometimes people refer to him as like Uncle Hudson. (laughs) He was, and he was like a big kid. So on set, in between takes, oftentimes if they knew there was time or whatever, the actors would leave the set and then come back when they needed to be. Hudson usually stayed behind with me because I had a like a card table and then they brought like art supplies and different things. So sometimes I do schoolwork there, but sometimes I would do art and I would do different things. Like once I made this long, it was Christmas time and I couldn't believe nobody decorated. Um, so I made decorations to hang around everywhere and I made this massive chain and Bill Paxton actually stayed and helped me make the chain. And he taught me a little bit about art and different kinds of things because he was really into art. Yeah, he was a set decorator, wasn't he, on previous uh, films? yeah. So he showed me like sculpting different, how to sculpt the clay and do different things like that. So he and I probably spent the most time together. I didn't spend as much time with Michael Bean. He came 
because there was actually someone else that was Hicks for a little while before. James Remo. Yeah. And so he came a little bit later. But again, the Marines, for the most part, the Marines kind of stuck together. You know, everybody. And I, I don't know if that was done on purpose, you know, to try to get that Marine. That bond. Madre. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's if that was all done on purpose or not. They were all often together. But I mean, I did, like I said, Bill Paxton and I did become pretty close on the set. And we do a lot of things together. So cool. Just for going to the next question, um, do you have any recollection of James Remar, what his performance is like? Because it's a bit of a black hole in the fandom. Nobody, there's um, a few pictures of him, but nothing else. It was supposed to be gruffer, though, wasn't it? Whereas Michael was more, more quiet and gentle. Yeah, I mean, I vaguely remember him. He was always very nice to me. And obviously, as a child, I didn't really know what was going on. He and I, we all started at the same hotel. It was a Holiday Inn. And a lot of them ended up leaving and getting apartments together and things like that. But of course, my mom was like, no, 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 we're not going to make a fuss. We're fine here. You know, don't worry about us. And so he and I were actually two of the only cast members that actually ended up staying at the Holiday Inn. Um, and I guess that's where kind of everything was discovered and happened. Um, but I was unaware of it at the time. Just suddenly he was gone. Mm. For me, you know, like, oh, he's gone and there's a new hit. So I, like I said, I didn't really understand it at the time. Now I do. I saw him at, I think it was the convention I, I met you at. I saw him there. He was at, I think it was the one in London. And that was kind of a weird feeling, you know, like it's kind of, it was kind of strange. I don't know if you knew who I was or not, but. Uh. Fair enough. Samhain13 would like to know if you watched any of the other Alien films that came out after yours, and if you did, what you thought of them. Well, like I said, I'm kind of a wimp. (laughs) (laughs) Sigourney and I always joke because she always says that her name should have been Wimply instead of Ripley, uh, (laughs) because she's kind of a wimp too. I saw Alien 3 in the theatre, and I which one is is the one with Winona Ryder? Is that the fourth one? Yeah, that's, that's yeah, Resurrection. Resurrection. Yeah, yeah. So I've seen both of those once, but I have not seen any of the others. Did you know about Joss Whedon's treatment of the fourth film, where it would have been uh, Newt as the? It would have been a clone of Newt rather than of a clone of Ripley. I did not hear that. Okay. Yeah. That, that that yeah, you've just reminded me of that because I mentioned Buffy the Vampire Slayer earlier. Of course, he went on to do Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Joss Whedon. But um, yeah, I've always wondered that this Alien Resurrection script came first, and apparently he was writing uh, a sort of a, either a teenage or a young adult version of Newt. And I've always wondered if that influenced what came to be Buffy Summers. So it's weird that in a way, if Newt hadn't been portrayed with you, there might not have been a Buffy the Vampire Slayer either. So it's go. really, yeah, it's one of those ripples on the water effects. Never know. <laughs> that, that's everything then. Thank you once again for taking the time to come and answer our questions. I realise we've uh, taken up quite a, <laughs> quite a bit of your time. My pleasure. Before we do just sign off, is there anything you know that you want to share to our listeners that we just haven't given you the opportunity with any of our questions you know any specific anecdotes about your time on aliens or stuff like that that you just want to mention before we uh, before we disappear oh my goodness i'm trying to think I'm just trying to think if there's something that i have never told anyone before that might be you know just something a little bit different mm. Okay, so you know in the APC when we're driving along and Sigourney runs over the alien? Yeah. And she comes back and I'm she like kind of panics because she doesn't see me and then I'm sitting down. And you give her the thumbs up. I give her the thumbs up. But I was talking to Casey 
I was talking to the head beforehand that like, it's okay. It'll be all right. It's okay. Or something. Yeah. So when we were filming that part, uh, James Cameron said to me, just talk to Casey. It doesn't matter what you say. Just talk to Casey. But like I said, it doesn't matter what you say because we're not going to hear you. So I was kind of mumbling to Casey that I felt stupid. This was the dumbest thing I had to do. And I talked to this head and like, (laughs) like all these, like as a typical nine year old kid, you know, I felt really dumb doing that. And then when we were doing the voiceovers, suddenly that scene popped up on the screen and I had a moment of panic and James Cameron's like, okay, what were you talking about during this <laughs> Because we've decided to put the words to it. And I could not bring myself to tell him <laughs> that I talked about how dumb I felt and all that kind of stuff. And so he's like, okay, well, let's look at this and see if we can figure out what you're saying. And that's what they came up with. And it actually fits like you can't really tell that that's not what i'm saying no i I wouldn't want to notice that yeah so yeah i was talking about how dumb it was to talk to a doll's head Um, (laughs) and i don't think i've ever actually even told james cameron that so if he hears this sorry avp galaxy exclusive (laughs) yeah okay well thank you where can folk find you online if they want to uh, come and interact um, the best place to find me is on Twitter, and my handle is at RealCarrieHen. I try to be interactive as much as I can, obviously, with life. Sometimes there are moments where I'm less active on there, but you can find me there. And if I have any conventions or anything like that coming up, I try to post as much stuff on there as possible. Do you have anything coming up? I don't right now, no. Okay. But if anybody's listening to this who is not familiar with our um, network, we are one of the oldest alien and predator communities out there, 16 years last year. You can find our main hub on avpgalaxy.net, and that is the website with the news, uh, articles, reviews, uh, other podcasts, and and an old-school message board. They still exist. Ours is still thriving. But we are still on the modern socials as well. Find us on Twitter, at avpgalaxy, and we're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, as Alien First, Predator Galaxy Verse, as in VS. So, thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Aaron Percival, Eric Adams, and Carrie Hen signing off.